Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Get your Bibles out, please, with me. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know why, but as I prepare to continue on uh, defending, defending or defend your portion, I woke up this morning and Brother Frank, this is what God just dropped in my mind, and it, it just kind of gave me that extra oomph. And here it is. There's no, you got to be looking at somebody when I tell you this, because you got to tell somebody. There is no traffic jam on the extra mile. Okay, 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 get this. I know that's shocking to somebody, but we're going to say it again. We're going to say it again. Because, because mo many of us are living out of abundance. Oh, Lord Jesus. Living out of open doors of blessing because we aim to go in there when everybody else is trying to get in. We're going to pray average. We're going to worship average, Brother Frank. We're going to take care of God's business and support God's work on average when we feel like. We will not activate gifts that have been given to us of the Spirit and in the Spirit. And so there is no surprise that quite often when we try to get into the presence of God, as big as the door is, we seem to be hitting a traffic jam getting in. Because all of the things that should put us ahead of the game, take us out of average, put us into eliteness, have been absent from our lives. And so we become frustrated. And we, we are tempted quite often to do what Job's friends were pushing him to do. And that is point a finger back at God. Well, when you get this into your spirit, you will no longer want to, need to, be tempted to point a finger at God. Because there's no traffic jam On what? The extra mile. You want clarity? You want God to open a door clearer? More widely for you? You want expense and expansion to be distant from each other? Then get ahead of the crowd. Get ahead of the crowd in your prayer life. You can't be average and want elite blessing. Can't be mediocre commitment and what? Excellent blessing. It doesn't make sense, guys. And you and I would not accept financial commitments that don't make sense. The account is not settled if you loan somebody a loan. L O N E. You loan them. $2,500, and they come back with a smile at the, at the due date. 
and say, thank you so much for lending me this money. It served its purpose. I did what I needed to do, and I praise God I'm out of the woods. Here, I got 1500 for you. God bless you. Have a good day. The numbers don't add up. And if the numbers don't add up in your mind when you're dealing with the things that you need, that you think you need, then in the flesh, then the numbers will not add up if you try to shortchange God in the spirit. So my commitment, my personal commitment, and we're not even in the message yet, is to do what my, my father has always Bless his heart. Ah, Papa's not here anymore, but I hear these things ringing in my ear. There's no traffic jam on the extra mile, son. Son, live below your means. If you can buy a house that's 450000 at your max, go ahead and settle for two hundred. Because there's something more profitable to be done with the other two fifty. And there is no need for you to match your life against someone else. That's called living below your means. These things are natural principles that you cannot run away from. If you try to, you will live a messed up life. You will always be, I will always be a, a, a receiver and never a giver. And what does the Bible say about that? It is what? Better, more blessed to do what? To give than to do what? Receive. Did not say receiving wasn't good, Sister Margaret. Didn't say receiving was, was a curse. Did not, never said anything like that. But it's better. For too long, I have, been, I have accepted good. Look at somebody and tell them. I'm done with good. I want my better. Hallelujah. I'm done with good. I want my better. I'm done with good. I want, you've got, it's your mind. It's got to go into your mind first. And then as your mind gets subdued and concrete there, then it will filter you to your spirit. So that's why I'm telling you to, tell, to say it to yourself. Say it to yourself. Okay. Whew. Defend your portion. Defend your portion. Go with me. I'm always going to start with our text. This is the third and last installment on this series. Defend your portion. 2 Samuel 23, verses 8 through 12. 2 Samuel 23, 8 through 12. Reading from the New King James Version. Hallelujah. These are the names of the mighty men of David, or mighty men whom David had. Joseph Basabet the Tatmanite, chief among the captains. He was called Adino the Esnite because he had killed 800 men at one time. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Eohite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines or Philistines who were gathered there for battle and the men of Israel had retreated or run away. Verse 10, he arose and attacked the Philistines 
until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. That sounds like he's fighting until he can't fight no more and he's about to lose, doesn't it? If you stop there. He's given everything he got. And I ain't got no more. I did my best. But, but this is where God always comes in. And it says, the Lord brought about a what? Average, barely made it. A great victory that day. And the people returned after the victory only to pick up what the enemy left. Isn't that beautiful? Friends that will run away from the fight when you're in the middle of the fire, that's when they need a drink. When you're in the middle of the situation, that's exactly the moment they need a vacation from life and they disappear out of your life. But never mind, it's not for, it's not, it's not for, for forever. Because as soon as you get victory and you're back on your feet and you're doing good and your marriage is right and your relationship's fine and money's in your pocket, oh, they didn't go anywhere. They just left you because they're back. Verse 11, and after him was Shammach, the son of Agi, the Hararite, the Philistines, had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. In our day, it would be wheat. In our day, it would be, it would be some other pea. He had a field of them. So the people fled once again. The people fled from the Philistines. His buddies, his acquaintances, his own family fled from it when the enemy attacked. Verse 12, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field and defended it and killed the Philistines. So once again, doesn't tell us how many Philistines were killed, but we know every one of them were killed. Why? Because right there when his strength, his power, his ability is at its very end, we hear, so the Lord brought about what? A great victory. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. We started the series talking about David and the fact that David, it's just kind of mesmerizing to me that, that twice there was a choosing of who would lead Israel. And the first time the man of God Samuel himself comes by. He looks at all of the brothers of David. And all he could see was which one was tallest, which one was biggest, which one looked better, which one looked more like a military man. They, he had all, his brothers were all in the army. They all had the height and the build. They all had the bravado. And yet God says, No. We talked about the fact that David was identified as a shrimp of a kid. That his assignment was to do what to the family seemed to be the easiest. Go out and watch over the sheep. 
Let me say it. It was not normal for a lion and a bear to attack the sheep. You got to understand that in the same vicinity, there were many, many families with many, many sheep. So there was all, you were always in shouting distance of help. But God had it set up so that he would train David in his shrimpiness to become the leader of an entire nation. It is important to remind yourself today that men will always see what's on the outside of you. When you mess up, they will see what you did. When you do good, they will barely see it. When, when things are really not going good, they're going to see all of that. But the minute God starts changing stuff on the inside, the minute start, God starts to defend you and perfect you on the inside, sometimes that, that training, that perfecting takes months. Some of us, it takes years. Don't expect your friends to see it. The first thing we said about this is, and you will need to go back because we addressed what your portion looks like in life. What is your portion supposed to look like as a believer, as a child of God? Because in both parts of these stories, these three mighty men of David, one of them stood his ground, positioned himself in the middle of the lentil field and, and defended his portion. They all ran away. He stood there and defended. Before that, stood. Everyone runs away. And the two of them stand and he defends this portion. And then God gives him a great victory. I want you to see God don't give you a great victory before you decide to defend. Woo, Lord, okay, okay. okay I went in, went in a little too hard there, Pastor. I went, went in a little bit too hard there. We're coming for a soft landing again. God does not, I know this, this is not a soft landing. You got to hear it. You got you to hurt a little bit because we've been stuck too long. God does not come in to give you a great victory when you have not decided to stand your ground. He does not give you great victory on the run. Oh, Lord Jesus. Great victory never comes. On the run. I didn't say on retreat. Sometimes God wants you to retreat. That is, you are facing the enemy, but you're backing up to regroup. That is different from turning back with a yellow strike behind you and running away from the fight. For some reason, many of us have, have mixed up what it means to retreat as opposed to run away. I retreat to regroup. I run because I'm scared. And God has not ah, given me or you the spirit of fear. He's given you the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind or a mind filled with, with sound wisdom. So we went through what it meant to have your portion. What is your portion? And I'm not going over it again. The first point that we lingered on was, coming from the text, be alert and stay alert. Because when God blesses you, the enemy will come. 
When God decides to open a door for you, it's never going to be a freebie. I don't know where this came from, guys. Where did we pick up this mentality from? That if God got something for you, it's going to drop right in your lap. It is not biblical. God's blessing don't drop in your lap. God's blessing doesn't just, just fall on the side of the road. That mentality is diminishing the quality of the blessing. Oh! You don't find gold on the side of the road, Pastor, do we? You don't pick up a diamond right there in the open. There has to be some work that goes into it. There has to be some work. You've got to discipline, commit yourself to the work, to the work, to the work, to the work, to the work. I was making some comments to one of my mentors, Dr. Williams. He has an integrated, multiracial church that's thriving. And uh, I said, Pastor, tell me what's the secret when you're living in a divide culture? What's the secret to growing in unity? And he gave me one statement. He said, it doesn't matter how great the vision is. How many of us know vision comes from God? It does not matter how great, heavenly, godly, angelic the vision is. On every day and twice on Sunday, culture eats vision for lunch. On every day, and twice on Sundays, culture eats vision for lunch. Somebody's hearing me today, and I'm not going to go into this, but I'm going to tell you, if you want to see God do something spectacular beyond and above what you have ever seen in your life, whether it's here in our church or in your community or in your home or with your friends, wherever you are, if you want to see God's movement, you will have to make a commitment to, for the most part, walk away, give up most or all of the culture that you've had. By the fact, we have Abraham as a hero of the faith. Our faith is based and built on Abraham answering a question. God came to this man who was not special, whose daddy worshipped the moon god, who had nothing special about himself have no prior experience with Yahweh, and God comes to him in his conscience and says, I want you to get up, and I want you to start walking. Pack your stuff up and walk. Where am I going? Because I heard you. I think it's God talking, but you got to make some sense. No, don't have to make sense. If you are going to put making sense over vision, Sense 
Your own sense of doing things comes out of where? Your, your culture. There is a way that my mama makes curry chicken. It's called the Ross Caribbean way. And there might be hundreds of other folk from the Caribbean. When I taste their curry, they're all from the Caribbean, but they don't taste like my mama. And quite often, what I would say is, well, you know, my mama curry is really the right way to cook it. Because it tastes good to me. That's what I grew up on. And I'm going to bet my last dollar on her stuff. It is the same way we behave with God. We want to bet our, every cent we have on the culture and the habits that we have created, that we have connected to, are in and out of the church. And then when God is coming in and said, I got a different vision for you. Here you go. Here I go again. Well, that's not how it tastes to me all my life. We never sang like that before. We ain't accustomed to that kind of worship. We, I, I did not grow up doing this and doing that. And so Bishop said to me, son, if you want change, you better start praying for intercessors who will be willing to put their culture on the altar. And I don't care. I'm talking to you if you're white, black, yellow, pink, or green. This is a punch across cultural lines that you will have to, I will have to put my culture, and I don't even know why God's got me saying this, but I'm going to say it because it, I feel I'm being led right this moment. You will have to make an inner commitment. Actually, it's going to be a commitment here that when you pray, it will become a commitment here, and then that commitment here will make your flesh do things for God that you weren't willing to do before. Beware. Be alert because God's Blessing never comes without enemy attack. If it does, it's probably not a good thing. Because the devil don't attack his stuff. He might be the devil, but he, he got good sense. He might be Satan, but he's not stupid. He will not attack his own stuff. One of the things that gives you a clue, it's not everything, but it gives you a clue. When you start pressing into the things of God, and then you start feeling backlash in different areas of your life, you got to know, hallelujah, God is about to give me a what? What kind of victory? A great victory. What kind of victory? A great victory. I'm about to have a great victory because I'm up against the wall right here. And I've been speaking faith. I've been praying. I've been interceding. I've been thanking God. I've been worshiping. And it doesn't seem like the Red Sea is going to be open. But I will not be moved from my worship. When that happens, at some point, I can't tell you when, but I know. I can say 
a little bit like David. I'm not as old as he was, but I'm getting there. Still looking young, but I'm getting there. He said, I was young. Let me give you some words of advice, son. I was young, and now I'm pretty old. I've had every kind of beautiful woman that I could have. I've had all the money I could have. I've had all the prestige. I was, I was the only king of Israel. That mighty men, that were non-Jews from all over the place, were drawn to me because God himself trained me. Oh, my gosh. I'm in development. This series is about, uh, it's got to be about three months off right now because I'm still putting it together. <sighs> but it, it hit me. Why would God prepare David all of his life to be a warrior? Right? All of his life. From how God allowed him to be with the sheep, from how when he in the sheep, he developed two things with exquisite excellence. One was playing a harp. He later on needed to do that, bring that same skill to the king. He goes from the field to the king's house. He goes from the outhouse to the White House. Because God was training him. God trained him when every one of his brothers were trained with spear and sword and shield, God was training him with a sling and five stones. Let me tell you, don't compare yourself to others. Your life, ah! your life will have the same deadly effect against the adversary when God perfects the instrument of his demise that's best for you. <sighs> Glory be to God. You're going to hear stories about this one, prayed for their family and went and anointed everybody and splash oil all over the house. And all God is telling you to do is stay in your car every more, every day during lunchtime at work and pray for your family for five minutes. It don't look the same way. It don't feel the same way. But he is sharpening you and the instrument of their demise, the instrument of the adversary's demise in your life will be so dangerous, will be so damaging that it will turn Satan's work upside down in your family. And nobody expected it. Even Goliath, when he sees him, he says, you are but a dog. Do you see this man carrying my 300-pound spear? Do you see this other one carrying my shield? Do you understand that I'm nine feet tall? Do you think I'm a, I'm a dog that you would come? <laughs> David knew what God was telling him. David knew at that point that the training he got was exquisite. And not only was it exquisite, it was training for a specific purpose. It was training for a particular battle. Don't try to get into somebody else's training. Don't try to get into someone else's training, guys. Their training is for their fight. Their training is for their situation. 
Don't be looking at them and say, I wish God would give me the, 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 the gift of laying on of hands. I, I wish I, I got the, the, the gift of, of speaking a word of knowledge. No, you don't. You need your gifting for your purpose and your situation so that when you swing your slang, it will damage the enemy in unexpected ways and allow you the ability to use his own sword to cut off his head. Oh, oh, oh my God. Uh, uh, enemy's going to come. Uh, greatness has its price is what I said. Greatness has its price. Grace, greatness has its price. The second was strengthen your heart. So stay... Remember, be alert, stay alert. They were ready for the enemy. These men, always on alert. And so when the enemy attacked, they could respond. How do you do that? You pray in the spirit and with the spirit. Pray in the spirit and with the spirit. We've already established and and developed that in two series before, two Sundays before now. Number two, strengthen your heart. Stabilize your position. Strengthen your heart. Stabilize your position. In, in, in the text that we read, these men had to speak to themselves first, Brother Frank. When you see the enemy coming, when you see the hordes of the adversaries attack coming to you in your life in many different ways, you will always be tempted to, to run. Fight or flight, fight or fright, right? Response. It's the natural response. But if you train yourself in worship, if you train yourself in time with God, if you spend enough time with God, if you spend enough time sharpening whatever gifting he's giving you, when the attack comes, all you will do is be there because you've been ready for it. You will understand that I've been waiting for you all along. The enemy thinks it's coming and get you by surprise. But you will be able to say, I've been waiting on you all along, fella. Come on on. Bring it on. Bring it on. I've been waiting on you all along. That's number one. Be alert. Stay alert. Number two was strengthen your heart. Stabilize your position. In both instances, these guys that were called mighty men of David found themselves a position that puts them at maximum capacity to strike. Some of us, the adversary always seems to be catching you off kilter. Why in heaven's name is that? Why does he keep catching you and I when we are least prepared? Come on! I don't want to be there anymore. I made a decision and I'm done with that. I will not be caught. When he comes in like a flood, my spirit will be activated in worship. When he comes in by surprise, I will jump out of my sleep and say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. As kids growing up, we would laugh at my dad. Because he would be sleeping quite often in his office. And he would not know in our small church 
in East Florence that many times we came in the door and he didn't know. He was in the office. And we sitting at his desk and we open the door and we walk in and he's dozing. And he said, Dad? He said, Hey, son. I mean, it, it didn't happen one time. Am I right, guys? It wasn't one time. It happened over and over and over again. He'd be driving the car. People thought something was wrong with Pastor. Why? Because you pass by him slowly in the car. There's nothing going on in this car. There's no music, but his lips are going. Praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. Praying. Inviting God to be with you, on you, and in you. If you and I do that, if that becomes your lifestyle, you will always be in a position to strike when the enemy comes, to defend when the enemy comes. They were in a position, I like Shemak though. Shemak saw the enemy coming, his buddies run away, people gonna leave you, friends gonna discard you, but when, but when he decided, I, I planted this, I work hard for this. Some of us were giving up too easy. You're giving up too easy. What God gave you, you worked for it. What God gave you, you prayed for it. What God gave you, you fasted for it. What God gave you, you interceded for it. Do not let the adversary come and take God's blessing out of your life. Be alert. Find your position. The enemy is coming and he says, everybody left me. Where's the best place for me and God to fight? Oh, hallelujah. Oh! The best place for you and God to defend is right in the middle of stuff. <laughs> oh, we don't want to. We want to be up in a corner and just keep the, keep the adversary away from killing us. And God said, no, son. I want you to stand right in the middle of the wheat field. And as you whip your sword this way and that way, I'm going to be on your back, whipping my sword around with you. That everywhere you go, you will have coverage because you are fighting with me in front and I'm fighting with you behind. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You are fighting with me in front and I'm fighting with you behind. The devil can't win. He he stood his ground. He found a place in the middle. He didn't, wasn't a, you know, limpy. No, sir. He found a place where his power leg was, was right there where it should be. He had his sword right where it was maximum offensive. And he said, come on down. I don't know if God's going to let me live or die, but I do know one thing. Some of you will die today. This is what Paul the Apostle said. It's not like I know everything about everything. It's not like I have lived my life to be exactly what God wants me to be. But this one thing I do know. Forgetting the things that are behind. The things that messed with me. The things that pulled me down. The things that caused me to be discouraged. I will press. I'm not going to try. I will. 
Because my life depends on it, Brother Taylor, Pastor Taylor, my life depends on it. I don't have any other options. I will press. There's no option to look back. I've forgotten what's behind. I've forgotten what's behind. Look at somebody and tell them, I've forgotten what's behind. I'm looking forward to what God has for me. Oh, bless God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I'm going to take four more minutes. It's 12.01. And I'm going to bring you in on the last one. Just stand. Right? When your friends flee, you strengthen your heart and stand in a stable position. Right? Number three. Just stand. Decide to just stand. He's always with you. Believe for the greater victory is point three. You have to go into, vict- go into the fight believing for the greater victory. You have to go into the fight believing that God's got your back. You've got to go into the fight believing that God's got a way out. You've got to go into your fight knowing that God has got you in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got you and me, brother. Got you and me, sister. He's got all world in his hand. Ah, it's not your fight. It's God's fight. He brings a great victory because it's his fight, Brother Frank. He brings a great victory because it's his fight, Deacon Al. He brings a great victory because, Brother Derek, he is the one who controls the outcome of the battle. I love how he put it. And Paul said, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. You can't be joyful and afraid at the same time. I've never seen it. Has anybody seen that before? Scared to death, but I'm joyful. I'm peeing in my pants, but I am filled with joy. I am. It doesn't work. So Paul the Apostle says, count it all joy. When you go through stuff that has your bones aching, when you go through stuff that makes you feel like you are going to lose, you gotta know. You've got to know that God is gonna bring a great victory. That God is gonna bring a great victory. Ephesians 6:13, NIV. Therefore, I'm putting on the whole armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, I may be able to stand my ground and after I have done everything that I can do, I will just stand because it's God who's bringing a great victory. Hallelujah. Oh, bless God. It's wrong 12 huh, of a 12 wrong fight. And the enemy thinks, oh, he lost his second win. He don't have it. But then here I come with a praise. Here I come with worship. Here I come breaking out a song of worship. And I said, in the name of Jesus, you have not won. You will not have the victory in this eye. Whoo. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Uh, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against me in judgment will be condemned. This is the heritage of the Lord. This is the heritage of the Lord. This is the heritage of the Lord. And the righteousness is from me. Hallelujah. Woo. Glory be to God. My Lord. If you want to write this down, you're streaming, just write and read it later. As you defend the portion God gives to you, God is going to defend you as his own portion. <laughs> when I read this, I, I, I literally fell back on my bed when the Holy Spirit said this to me. And just kind of, I just started kicking up like a baby. I just said, yeah, hallelujah. As I defend my portion with the help of the Holy Spirit in me that God has blessed me with. As I defend the portion that he has given me. As I defend the portion he has given me. He is defending me as his own portion. How do I know that? How do I know that? Deuteronomy 32 and 10. Write that down. Deuteronomy 32 and 10. And uh, Psalm 17 and 8. It talks about in both passages that I am the apple of God's eye. I am the iris of God's eye. God has never slumbered or sleep. God has never been blind or had an eye condition. And if I am the iris of his eye, it means that I've got protection over me before I knew I had protection. Okay. Luke 22 and 31. It established that God, Jesus is praying for you. <laughs> Uh, somebody does not realize that and they don't probably believe it. Is there a possibility you can pull that up? Luke 22, 31. I know. Oh my gosh. There's more word than time. <sighs> and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked me to sift you like wheat. He's asked me to sift you like wheat. Go to the next one. Says, but I. But I have done what? But I have done what? But I have done what? Prayed for you. Do you understand that God is Jesus himself? Jesus himself is praying for you. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. While I'm trying to defend my portion, he's defending me as his own portion. <laughs> How can I lose? When he looks at me and says, devil, you're done messed up this morning because this is my portion right here. This is my iris right here. This is my daughter that's right here. What, what, what kind of foolishness you think you can, you can do today? You think I'm going to let you point, poke my, my eye out? That's Luke. 
when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren, because I prayed for you. <laughs> and the last one, the last one. He intercedes for our stuff with wordless groans. Romans 8.26. He intercedes all the time with wordless groans. NIV. He intercedes with wordless groans for my stuff. He intercedes with wordless groans for my stuff. Hallelujah. But I have prayed for you. Uh, is there any way you can pull that? Romans uh, 8.26 and we're done right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. There's a release of anointing that I'm feeling right now. Ah, glory be to God. There's some soldiers coming out of here. Some sniper, some sniper rifle expert. Hallelujah. You go stand from a distance and pick the adversary stuff off like a ch cherries on a cherry tree because your faith has made you whole. You are not just going from healing to healing. Remember what we talked about? God does not want you to go from healing to healing. That's what the nine beggars got. They came and they cried out for mercy and they got physical healing. Then one comes back and worships. And God said, your faith has made you whole. Ah! Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but this year is the year when I move from healing to wholeness. This is the year when I move from, from physical healing. Physical healing is always Episode by episode, issue by issue. Oh, I got this going on. COVID got me. Oh, I need healing, Lord. Oh, I need healing. Oh, I lost my job, Father. Oh, give me a job. Oh. But when I go into my worship place then, and I stay in my place of worship, and you call it getting to know God. That's what he talks about all the time. Getting to know God. When you get in there, you're going to be a worshiper. You're going to worship every time, all the time, any time. And when that happens, you will move from healing to wholeness. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me. Shake out of Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father. We receive your strength. We receive your help and your healing. We receive your directive and your direction. We receive your power from on high. Hallelujah. We submit and humble ourselves because we will not be denied. This is the year when we refuse to be denied your power. We refuse to be denied your power. We refuse to be denied your power. We defend our portion. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Would you all stand with me? Hallelujah. I made a commitment to never end our services anymore without, if you're watching me online, it doesn't matter how much I tell you, if you're in our congregation this morning, it does not matter how much I talk about my mama's Caribbean fried rice. I can swear by it. I can tell you I'm willing to go to, to death for it. It still doesn't give you a taste. I'm asking you to trust me this morning. If you have never received Jesus as your Savior, I'm asking you to trust me this morning. 
I'm asking you to invite him in. You got to taste and see. I cannot explain the taste of Jesus to you. I cannot, uh, oh, I cannot explain the taste of Jesus to you. You got to come in and taste it for yourself. You got to come in and taste it for yourself. Ah, hallelujah. Anybody in the, care, in the congregation that has tasted, that has tasted, come on, worship with me. You have, you have tasted. Taste it and see. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, come taste and see. Come taste and see. Say after me. Dear Jesus, I come to you today with my mess, with all of my filth, needing help. Today, I confess my sin and I confess my trespasses. I ask you to wash me with your blood as I repent of my sin. Accept me as your child and renew a right spirit in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you give God a high praise? There are several hundred people that have just received God. Jesus is Lord of their lives now. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Oh my. Oh. We thank you for your word this morning. Oh. We thank you for your glory that came down. We thank you for the worship. The worship was, was on point with you. They connected with Holy Spirit. The dance, oh Father, was on point with you. They connected with you through song and dance. Ah, the special song was exactly what we needed to hear, God. And you worked through your daughter to bless us. And then your word came and I was your conduit. And I know that you did something somewhere for someone. Father, we ask that you will keep your hand on us. 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 Go ahead and just tell them, keep your hand on me. Go ahead. Lord, keep your hand on me. Keep your hand on me. Keep your hand on me. I am clay and you are the potter. Keep your hand on me. Father, we thank you for this time. Bless your people. Cover us as we leave the sanctuary, the building. But we take you with us. Bring us back in the morning to power up. Oh, hallelujah. At 6 o'clock on the assembly live. So that we can continue to move forward, possessing our portion. Watch over. Bring us back on Wednesday night for Bible study. In the name of Jesus, we pray all of these things. And all of God's people say, Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Greet somebody. Greet someone before you leave. If you have not picked up your oil, God instructed us to get oil ready. We did that. All of the leaders came together and we prayed over oil. And there are bottles of oil here that you need to get to use as a symbol of the glory of God as you battle and win in your stuff. It's sitting right here. 
Sister Angela will be able to oversee you getting one bottle. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.